Hey, hey everyone, Elisa Keaton here and welcome to another episode of the Revelation Wellness Podcast. Super excited today to bring you something unique, something different. I am always keeping my ear to the ground, whether it's uh, listening to what you guys are asking for or what our instructors are sharing with one another. Listen, I am being taught uh, to be discipled means to be a learner. So I want to be learning and listening as much as possible without being overwhelmed, correct? (laughs) Okay. So today we're bringing you a teaching by one of our fellow fitness teacher gospel preachers. His name is Brian East. Um, Our instructors are doing life with us. In other words, we don't just train up our instructors, they go through a program and then we say, great job, here's your certificate, see you later. No, we know this is this is life. This is discipleship. This means we have to be um, gathering together and then scattering this, this uh, ebb and flow of pressing in and learning and growing and then going and taking out what we're learning to feed our local communities as well. And Brian recently did a teaching for our instructors on uh, tearing down the toxic images of God. And I happened to uh, make that call. I try to make as many as I can to just listen and be taught. And when he was teaching, I knew immediately. I reached out to Tracy, our producer, and I said, we got to get this teaching on the the podcast because this is stuff everyone needs to hear. These are things that we have got to... uh, with and search our own hearts and be purified of. So I encourage you to listen to the teaching. And the other thing I would say at the end, take some time to reflect Uh, a little bit of your own be still and be love time. Take some time to reflect. You guys, this is really important because you don't need more information. You don't. There's, did you know you learn, you get received more information in one day of your life it's more than the person who lived in the 1400s, right? There's, it's, it's way more. Uh, a person in the 1400 receives in their lifetime the amount of information we get in one day. So we don't need more information. We need to take that information and grab it like clay and start working it until it works its way into the shape of our heart. And then we let God get his hands on that as well and continue to mold us. So be a participant. Be active in this as well, okay? All right, before I let you go, um, also very cool is our Integrate uh, workshop. The day of Integrate, it was a one-day virtual faith, fitness, body event, first ever. It was amazing. The content was off the chain, and it is now available to you. If you missed it and you didn't attend live, you can now just grab it and get six hours. I believe it was a full six hours. It might have been eight. Dana will tell me because Dana was there all day with me. Of content, teaching, good teaching. Every every workshop, um, it was just, I learned something. I, I listened through the whole day and was blessed by it. So you can have it and work your way through it over the next year. Just listen to a workshop here and there. We have one on um the fruitfulness of sex and the ripple effect. Yep, sex. So married couples, women, listen, you need to hear it. We had some serious uh, breakthroughs during that workshop. Um, Nika Mabel's Embodying Hope, Jesse uh, Conley with um, Everything is Worship. And then our um, nutrition workshop was amazing. <laughs> it was on 
uh, whether you obsess when it comes to your food or neglect when it comes to food. It just was so holy and the teaching brought us all to the center. So, and then I did a Bible study on the power of one and also um, lots of movement. So you can, it's good content for a whole year. Just take it, grab it, swipe up on the show notes and get it into your brain and your body and be renewed in your soul. All right, guys, have a great day. Be blessed. Thank you, donors, for making this possible. Thank you. Thank you. Peace. Yeah, we want to talk today about uh, dismantling toxic images of God. And I love this stuff. It's really good. And so, uh, first of all, I want to, I do want to open with prayer, but I want to use this Ephesians scripture. Ephesians 1.15 uh, and following, for this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. And here's what he prays, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of Jesus himself. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So <clears throat> Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and I ask you to come as the spirit of truth. I ask you to come as the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we could know you better as uh, the NIV translates. Bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, that it wouldn't be um, words that I say or notes that anybody takes or anything like that, Lord, but I pray that you would reveal your son, Jesus, to us today and that you would reveal yourself to us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right, I want to read a quote to you. This is from a book called Cross Vision by Greg Boyd. And this is going to kind of frame up what we're talking about today. It says, the intensity of your love for God will never outrun the beauty of the God you envision. The intensity of your love for God will never outrun the beauty of the God you envision. Related to this, the depth of your transformation into the likeness of Christ will never outrun the Christ-likeness of your mental representation of God. Let me read that last sentence again. The depth of your transformation into the likeness of Christ will never outrun the Christ-likeness of your mental representation of God. So I don't know how that strikes you, but kind of the whole framework of this is despite what we may think, despite what scriptures we've read, despite what we think our doctrine or our belief system is, we all have images of God based on our experience, based on our theology, based on what we've been taught, based on how we've been parented, based on how we've been hurt, based on the disappointments of our life and the joys of our life. And we tend to lay those things on the scripture. We tend to lay those things 
um, on the face of God and it, it affects, it becomes a filter for how we experience God and how we understand God. So sometimes those things are pretty good. And sometimes those things are like Jesus and sometimes those things are healthy and sometimes they're not healthy and sometimes they're toxic and sometimes they're, um, they're just not good. So that's kind of what we want to start to unpack today. Here's where we want to start. <clears throat> Jesus himself is the word of God. Let me say that again. Jesus himself is the word of God. Is there a way that we can call the scriptures the word of God? Sure, absolutely. And many people use that kind of language across denominations and all of that. But the scriptures are clear that it is Jesus himself that is the word of God. Remember, um, we're going to buzz through lots of scriptures here and covering the person of Jesus um, kind of in this introduction. I, I hope in a way it just kind of strips your gears a little bit and like overloads your brain and goes, oh my gosh, how awesome is Jesus? But um, so I'm going to refer to lots of scriptures and probably Heather, we can send out my notes later or whatever. So people have the list of stuff, but um, you know, John chapter one in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is the person of Jesus Christ. Revelation 19, 13, um, you know, <laughs> Jesus has, the word of God kind of tattooed on his side. It says, and his name was the word of God. So that's not talking about a book. That's talking about an eternal person. Uh, Jesus himself is the final, thorough, complete, all-encompassing revelation of God. Now note, the Bible and our interpretation of it more importantly, our interpretation of the Bible is not the final word. Jesus himself is the final, thorough, complete, all-encompassing revelation of God. I do want to read um, Hebrews chapter 1, the first three verses. I'm reading from the New American Standard. God, after he spoke long ago to the Father's, through the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So did you get that? It's like for generations, for ages, he's spoken through the prophets. He's, you know, and a lot of that's written down in the scripture. But in these last days, he's spoken to us in person, in the person of his Son. So God's final word, God's full expression of himself is the son of God, Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate subject, topic, interpreter, the ultimate fulfillment, and the ultimate meaning of scripture. So if, if someone ever asks you, hey, what's the Bible about, Jesus? Um, I'm going to turn to Luke 24, 27. 
This is just the introduction, guys. <laughs> this is the good stuff. So this is Resurrection Sunday. We're on the road to Emmaus, right? And Jesus is talking to these guys. And um, and they're complaining about, hey, have you seen what happened today? You know, they killed Jesus, basically. And he says, oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Now note in verse 27, it says, Jesus then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, Jesus explained to them the things concerning himself in the scriptures. So from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, and then there was no New Testament at this time, right? When they were on the road to Emmaus, there was no apostle Paul. There was no epistles of Peter or none of that. Um, so he explained to them from the scriptures Everything concerning himself. Jesus was being revealed to us all along. Now, Colossians 1.18, and there's some other verses too, but Jesus himself is preeminent. Let that sink in. Jesus himself, not the idea about Jesus, Jesus himself, his person, his glorious person is preeminent, central, foundational and first first in all the father has done since eternity passed and all the father will do so everything god the father has ever done is doing right now and ever will do is in christ is in the person of his son he is preeminent he has the first place in all things jesus does jesus jesus Ooh, jesus <laughs> so that's the good news here's here's where we we start transitioning to some of the bad news you guys remember john chapter 5 uh verse 39 yep Here's something Jesus said to some of the religious leaders in his day. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, Jesus said. And you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life. It is possible It is possible to read the scripture, study the scripture, know the scriptures, but miss Jesus. It's possible to miss the heart of God. It's possible to miss the heart and the spirit and the revelation of Christ in the very scriptures that are about him. And that's some of the danger with these toxic images that we're going to talk about is, and you know, we're, we're fitness teacher, gospel preachers. Many of us have been in the church most of our lives or, you know, a good amount of time. It's possible to read the scripture, to know the scripture, and to miss some key things about who God really is. So, 
if we read, if we study, if we interpret scripture, especially the Old Testament, especially the Old Testament, without taking Jesus with us, like those guys had Jesus on the, the road to Emmaus, they were missing it. They knew the scriptures. They were good Jews in that day. They were walking with Jesus and he opened their eyes. He opened their hearts to understand the scriptures that were about him, that they'd been reading all along and they missed it. So unless we take like they did, unless we take Jesus with us, when we study scripture and especially the old Testament, we can end up in some unhealthy places sometimes. All right. This is, this is the good stuff. Here's my, that was my first point. Jesus himself is the word of God. Number two, Jesus is the image of God. Uh, If you're, Tracking with me, turn to Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15. And I'm going to read this in the Amplified because it's like ridiculous. Okay, it's just ridiculous. Jesus is the image of God. Remember um, Exodus and Deuteronomy, the Ten Commandments, right? Remember near the beginning it says, don't have any graven images, right? That's the old King James talk, right? The people of God weren't permitted to make images of God. Jesus is that image. Jesus is the authentic image of God. So check this out. Colossians 1 in the Amplified. He, Jesus, is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible, the firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign and the originator of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created and exist through him. That is by his activity and for him. And he, Jesus himself, existed and is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. His is the controlling cohesive force of the universe. He is also the head, the life source and leader of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will occupy the first place. He will stand supreme and be preeminent in everything. For it pleased the Father, fullness of deity, the sum total of his essence, all his perfection, power, and attributes to dwell permanently in him, in the Son. And through the intervention of the Son to reconcile all things to himself, making peace through the blood of his cross. Through him whether things on earth or things in heaven. There's like months of teaching in there, guys, but I want your circuits to be overloaded with how amazing Jesus is. You want to know what God is like? He's like Jesus. Jesus is literally the visible image of the invisible God. 
John 14, 9 and 10. Jesus makes it clear, if you've seen him, you have seen the Father. Don't look anywhere else, Philip. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he said. Um, Let's go back to um, Hebrews chapter 1. I want to read the, the next part of that. God, after he spoke to the fathers and the prophets in many portions, in many ways. In these last days, he's spoken to us in his son. Verse two, he, Jesus, is the radiance of his glory. (laughs) You didn't get that. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Jesus himself is the exact representation of his nature, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. That word in the Greek exact representation is literally character. And you guys, you know, like in the the ancient world, they'd roll up the scrolls, right? And they put some wax on there, and then the king would use like his signet ring or whatever. And um, even, even like in Revelation, when it talks about opening the seals and stuff, that's what it's talking about. It's like a scroll wax on it and then the the seal of the king or the, the whoever sending the message is on there that's what that was that's the character you have hot wax and you press that image into it it's the exact representation of that image it's the exact representation that's who Jesus is he is the exact representation of god so here's where it starts getting real guys Any image of God or belief about God that is not like Jesus, even if you got it from the Bible, hear me, any image or belief about God that is not like Jesus is a false one, even if you got it from the Bible. Because ultimately, Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. We can read the Bible and get it wrong, but Jesus is perfect. I love what Heather says in launch. Jesus is perfect theology. Him. Just him. All right. So Jesus is the image of God. So 1 John 4, 8. Remember, this is preamble. We're going to get to the images here in a sec. (laughs) This is kind of meat and potatoes. I'm not going to lie. Hold on. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. Right? And love is greater than fear. Hot dog. Do we really, how seriously do we really take that? Because that's, that is is like an equal sign god is love jesus is love full stop yes let me say we need the meat and potatoes right on god is love god is not love and something else god is not love but something else that's a false dichotomy that we hear sometimes you know, God is love, but he's also just. God, God is love, but he's also holy. No, 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 no. 
we made that up. God is love. Now, every other aspect of God's character as revealed in Jesus Christ is a facet of his love. God's justice is a facet of his love. You can't have real justice that's not loving. If God is love, how can his justice be unloving, right? God's holiness is a facet of his love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's no false dichotomies there. God is love, full stop. 1 John 3.16, as an aside, this is free of charge. Do a fun study sometime through the 3.16s through the New Testament. It's kind of fun. Um, so write that down for another day. But 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his love for us. So you're tracking with me? Jesus is the exact representation of God. God is love. This is how we know what love is. The cross. This is how we know what love is. The cross. The cross is central to everything. Remember Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 2 said, When I was among you, I resolved to preach nothing except Christ and him crucified. That's because that's, that's kind of everything. That's kind of everything. So the cross is central because it forever makes clear what God is like and what he has always been like. Let me say that again. The cross makes forever clear what God is like and has always been like. God has always been self-giving. God has always been radically forgiving. Always. God has always been self-sacrificial. God has always been suffering with us. That's what Jesus revealed about God on the cross. Jesus hanging on the cross, the perfect representation of the Father. That's why we need revelation, because just like in, in the New Testament, um, the Jews were like, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking this first Corinthians because I just mentioned that the Jews were like, yeah, that's stupid. It's a stumbling block. You, you're no, you're making stuff up, Paul. This makes no sense that the God of the universe would die on a cross. And the Greeks were like. What? Your God died on a cross? That's ridiculous. That makes no sense at all. Gods don't die on crosses. That's no, that's ridiculous. And, and Paul is insisting, no, no, no. When I was among you, Christ and him crucified. Why? Because this is how we know what love is. This is how we know who God is. Jesus is the exact representation of God. Y'all tracking with me? All right. So now let's start talking about some of these toxic images because we've established who is the image of God. That's Jesus. So what are some of the 
images of God that we may be holding on to, the lenses that we may be putting over uh, our experience of God, whether we know it or not. Because like I said, we tend to view God through how we were parented, through how we've been hurt, through lies we've believed, things we've been taught about God, sometimes even in the church. If you've grown up in an unhealthy church system with an unhealthy leadership or, you know, whatever, we can come away with some toxic theologies. We can come away with some toxic ideas about God that are not like Jesus. There's images that go around in culture too, that, you know, we've grown up with, we picked up from television and all these different things too. So, so again, to state it clearly, we almost never realize we are doing it, but we tend to read the scripture and go to prayer and go to worship and all these things. And we look through the lens of these false beliefs that we carry, these toxic images that we carry. This then reinforces our false beliefs because then we can go to find scriptures that back up our false beliefs. Hello. So if we if we're carrying that lens of toxic images, we look in the scripture and we can find things that will back up our toxic images of God. Remember, even Satan tried to use scripture against Jesus. There's ways we can use scripture <laughs> to come up with the wrong conclusions. We just can't. All right. So let's look at some of these toxic images. Um, and, and when I say toxic, remember, it's not like evil. It's not like someone's out there going, aha, I'm going to teach you some toxic images. It's just... That's our experiences and everything. we filter them down. All right. So how about God is like a fairy godmother? Or maybe kind of, you know, the, the, um, the genie and the lantern, right? Or, or maybe um, kind of like a, a, a warm, syrupy grandparent that just wants to, you know, give you everything you want and, and kind of um, may not pay attention to how you're misbehaving or whatever, you know, just kind of God's here to grant my wishes. And sometimes we even have some theology. Uh, if you look across the church, that it's almost like God's here to follow our commands, kind of like the genie in the bottle. And um you know, our prayers are like, uh, even if it's not stated this way on the surface, it's almost like we're telling God what to do. Now, so that that's a toxic image of God that we can uh, that we can be carrying. <clears throat> Another one, and I I uh, I resonate with this one personally, is God is kind of the distant, absent parent, deadbeat dad. You know, God is, we carry this image of God as the one who abandons us. God wasn't there when I needed him. 
Um, God was powerless to intervene when I was being hurt, when tragedy happened, when I was being abused. Um, you know, where were you, God? You were absent. You bailed on me. You should have been there. Unattentive to our needs. God, I, I need something from you. I'm praying. I'm needing a reply. I'm needing some wisdom. And, and it feels silent. That's hard stuff. And that's, if we were parented that way, man, we can lay that image over our father revealed in Jesus and put that on him. But Jesus made it clear. That's not what God is like. God is continually present and intimately close with us. He's not silent or distant. Okay, here's one. What about seeing God as a punishing judge? You ever walk around feeling like you're never good enough for God? Feel like God's like always breathing down your neck, micromanaging you um, like a harsh taskmaster. He's just angry all the time, isn't he? God's just angry. Yeah, that one. When we look at God through that lens, we always tend to carry fear. We always tend to carry shame. We feel like, hey, I got Bible to back this up, y'all. If I obey, if I perform well enough, God is going to bless me. Everything's good. But man, if I sin, if I screw up, if I stray, uh-oh. Either I'm cursed or I'm not blessed. God's withdrawing. God's angry. God's going to punish me. You know, God's going to have so-and-so get hit by a car or I'm going to get sick or whoa, 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 whoa. That doesn't sound like Jesus. When I read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, that's not the Jesus I see. But we, we can easily carry this. This is one that's really, I'm going to be honest, it's really common in the church. That we are taught to fear God, a God that is this way, that is this punitive judge, that is um, kind of always waiting for us to mess up. Can I tell you something? God's not angry. God's not angry at you. Write that down, underline it, look at it later. God's not angry at you. God's decisive judgment at the cross was mercy. His love. Period. It is finished. It's done. No more question about it. God's not mad at you. All right, let's look at one more um, Toxic image, false belief. And it's really like um, taking some of the ones we just talked about and like putting it into blender and blending it up and and out pops St. Nick. Right? Santa Claus. What do you mean? Everybody loves Santa Claus. You know, he's making a list. He's checking it twice. 
going to find out. You've been naughty or nice, so you better be good, right? There's that aspect of Santa Claus. But, hey, he only comes around once a year. You know, he's this deadbeat dad kind of guy, you know. And, and like the doting grandparent, we're, we're encouraged to write letters and sit on his lap and ask for anything you want. What do you want for Christmas? Ho, ho, ho. And then what, what's with the... What's with the underwear and the uh, the acne cream under the tree, Santa? Because I asked for a new bicycle and a pony, and right, we we kind of but we walk around and we approach God and we pray to God and we go into worship with God, carrying some of this Santa Claus stuff with us. Am I right? Are any of these resonating with anyone? No. Just me. <laughs> There's a few hands. Yeah. So here's, here's the bottom line, guys. The Jesus of the Gospels, the Jesus that is the word that was with God and that is God and that became flesh and dwelt among us, the Jesus that is the exact representation of the Father is not like Santa Claus. He's not a punitive judge. He's not a fairy godmother or a genie in a lamp. And the father of our Lord Jesus Christ is not absent. He's not distant. He's not abusive. He hasn't abandoned us. So here's the point. We all know the um, we all know the phrase around Rev <clears throat> and say with me, love God, get healthy, be whole, love others, right? Having a healthy image of God if you will, having a healthy way of reading the scripture that is free of these kinds of images of God. It's part of being a healthy disciple. It's part of getting healthy and being whole. And then as, as we get some things healed in us, we can help others experience what God is really like too. So how do we get rid of some of these toxic images of God? Well, I would invite you and I, and I want to, I talked really fast, Heather. So we, you know, we got a little bit of breathing room here. <laughs> um, but I want us to um, just pause for a couple minutes and just a couple minutes for now. And you can do more of this later. But I think the first step to getting rid of these is just ask God. And, and, and you know, you, your heart's jumped and you've got a knot in your stomach as we were talking about some of these. You know the way you were parented. You know your experiences in life. Just ask God, Father, 
which toxic images am I carrying with me? What images am I laying over your face, Father, that aren't true and real? The next piece of that is even to ask God, you may know immediately, but ask God to reveal, when did I start to see you that way, God? When did I start to believe that that's how you are? When was it? What happened? Where was I? It may be in the middle of a traumatic experience in your life. It may be getting yelled at by a parent. It may be there's all kinds of, of, of moments in our lives where these things kind of start to take root. So ask God to reveal which unhealthy toxic images of him that you have. Ask God to reveal when and how and where you started to see those things and to believe them. And then the, the next step is to ask God to dismantle that image and flood you with his love and flood you with the revelation of who he really is and what he's really like. To close out this time together, let's just pause and pray. I want to give you time to reflect and to connect with God around these things that we've talked about and leave space for God to speak. So I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to pause and be quiet and give you some moments to listen. And you can write those down or just think and reflect. And I invite you to to continue to come back and work through this process as many times as you need to. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this time together today. And I pray, as we did at the beginning, Lord, that you would pour out the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know you better. Lord, what are the toxic images of you that I have been carrying? What false images of you have I been laying over your face? Please show me, God. Lord, when did I start to see you that way? How? Where? What happened that I started to see you that way with that toxic image? Lord, please show me.
And Lord, thank you for speaking. Thank you for showing me these things. Thank you for your tender mercy, Lord, and your desire to heal. So Lord, because you are the healer, would you please dismantle these false toxic images that I have accepted and believed about you without even knowing it. Dismantle them, Lord, and destroy them. Please flood me with your love, your amazing, unconditional, overflowing, everlasting love. And heal me, Lord, and flood me with true, deep healing, revelation of who you are and what you are like. Lord, replace, displace and replace, Lord, the the toxic images that I have held on to of you with the true image of who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you are like Jesus. You are exactly who Jesus revealed you to be. God, thank you that you are love. Please fill us and heal us and restore us with your love and help us, God, as we replace these images and become more whole. Help us to love others and help them see who you are as well. Draw us all in, Lord, and help us all to be healthy and whole. We pray in the name of Jesus, who is the image of God. Amen.